The Fantasy Six-Pack Hour. With your hosts, Joe Bob. Ah, you're awful. <laughs> and A.J. Applegar. It's Sin Shu Chu. It's a mouthful. Right, all right. Welcome to the Fantasy Six Pack Hour. My name is Joe Bond, founder of FantasySixPack.net. With me as usual, co-host AJ Abagarth. What's up, man? No, not too much. Not too much. Another day, another dollar. I don't know. Three more beers. Whatever. <laughs> you three beers deep already? No, not yet. <laughs> Close. Maybe, maybe one ish. <laughs> all good, man. All good. Um, all right, so tonight we're going to be breaking down some of the news and notes and things like that from uh, from week one of fantasy baseball and uh, hopefully get you guys some advice that you need to help you with your leagues. Um, before we continue, though, I want to remind everybody, hit that subscribe button, hit that like button wherever you're listening and watching us, YouTube, um, Spotify, iTunes, you name it, we're there, Facebook. Uh, we appreciate the support. Um Without further ado, though, let's bring in our guest, Mr. Jim Sanez. Did I get it right? Yeah, you were perfect. All you right. nailed it. Well done. <laughs> um, you, you, uh, you taught me before the show, so I had to hopefully. Oh, you got it. it hopefully, was, I got I'm it right. <laughs> I, I yeah. was worried. Uh, Jim Sanez is a uh, is a contributor for Number Fire. Uh, he's he's a uh, does does all I good stuff over there? Heavy into the DFS. Sorry, my eye is killing me all of a sudden. I don't know what's going on. Um, Jeez, uh, it's it's really bothering me. I don't know what the hell's going you on up. Here, now your eyes holding you up. Yeah, who knows what's next? I'm all right. Um, and apparently he is a huge Byron Buxton fan. So we're gonna get into that in a minute. But uh, let's do our beer of the week first. Mm, beer. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, Jim, you are the guest of honor. We will let you go first. Okay, so I'm in Syracuse, New York. So I had to go with a Syracuse beer. We have the Willow Rock Experimental. Willow Rock, an awesome brewery, pretty small brewery uh, right here in Syracuse, a place we uh, frequent often, a lot of good beer. So if you're in the Syracuse area and you have not tried Willow Rock, would absolutely endorse it for sure. All right, good stuff. I'll have to keep that one in mind. AJ, what you got, man? All right, well... Uh, I'm finishing one off, and uh, I will be cracking into a collaboration here that I just picked up last week uh, by Stickman Brews and HopheadsGear.com. It's called the Double Deuce. Um, ironically or not, it's a double IPA. No kidding. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's like the, the double and then the double just are double, so they just go together. Um, but yeah, this is, a uh, this is one out of, uh, Reutersford PA. All right. So, yeah. I don't think so I know where that, interesting. that is. So cool. 
It's uh, it's in PA. It's in Pennsylvania. Uh, At least I know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's about all I got. Um, all right, I am drinking a beer from a brewery I've had on the show a lot. It's local over here, True Respite Brewery. It's called Joyride. Uh, pretty uh, pretty funny looking can. Uh, it's a hazy double IPA. It's got a, a bunch of hops actually. <laughs> Uh, Idaho Seven Cryo. Never even heard of that one before, to be honest with you. Cashmere Cryo, and then Centennial uh, Equinot and Calypso hops. So, like, uh, actually, a bunch of hops I'm not even really familiar with. Um, but I gave it a three and a, three and three quarters on on uh, Untapped. It's pretty solid. Um, couple sips every once in a while, kind of hurt, kind of hit you, and you gotta go. And then like the next ones are okay. So it's kind of weird. I don't know, but it's it's okay. Um, <laughs> oh, damn, did I just sober up again? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they sting. I don't know what happens. Like you get you get you get a chunk of some of the hops, and it's, they hurt. Sting but, is uh, a very visceral word. It, yeah. it, it says it does a lot of mileage for one one syllable there. Yeah. So, all right, so. Byron Buxton, man, we we've been on this show many times talking about Byron Buxton. We talked about him in our preview shows before the season. And to be honest with you, we're not big fans. Now he is starting off hot. Uh, he has proven me wrong. I was like, he's going to prove me wrong one of these seasons, but I'm not ever buying in because he has not done it yet. So you gotta, you gotta sell me on this, on this kid, man. I mean, like, if you look at the past three years, so 2019 through 2020, the injury stuff is still there. So, like, right. it's a small sample. It's 446 plate appearances, not counting today. It's not counting his double, dinger, and, and singles. <laughs> we'll leave those out just for fair. Oh, okay. <laughs> but over that three years, from 2019 to 2021, he has a 120 WRC+. plus. That's despite the fact that he hasn't drawn a lot of walks, but it seems like he's trying to do more this year, trying to draw more walks, trying to get himself on base, generate those steals. So we've seen it over a decently large sample now where he's been hitting for power. He's been, uh, been able to actually produce, even though the – I don't think it's ever going to be a high on base percentage type thing, but – He's not striking out as much as what he once was. The power is there. So when you add together the full impact, I feel like he's just he's he's a rock star. And I've been trying waiting for this for so long. I remember writing for Numberfire about like the twins, their offseason approach was waiting for Byron Buxton back in 2013. I'm pretty sure that was when I, when we were talking about that. So it's been a long time waiting for Buxton to get up here. And I think we're finally seeing it and the sample keeps getting bigger. He keeps getting better, so I, you know, I feel like we finally made it. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like that injury is right around the corner, though, man. Everybody's gonna get all disappointed again. But uh, yeah, I mean, I've always thought the talent is there. It's just never come together because of yeah. injuries for the most part. And then he's got he does have some real bad like stretches of games where it's just like, oh man, right. what's going on? <laughs> so and you can tell when they're gonna happen because like if you watch him, his head sometimes does not move. Like you can tell he's not looking at the pitch like you can kind of predict when his bad slumps will happen and i think like just <clears throat> watching him you can kind of i'm terrible at like watching film but like you can tell at buxton when his his slumps are about to happen so hopefully that can help you like avoid them uh but i think that's beneficial and the injury stuff like the fear is there like when he had he, he had like diarrhea over the weekend and like he left a game and i was like oh my gosh he's gonna have a concussion yeah. gonna be done <laughs> you know he's he has diarrhea he's fine so I got I got real worried there, and the fear is legit. But we're still good so far, at least. All right, all right. Hopefully, uh, 
Hopefully he can keep it going, although not hopefully for uh, my predictions on him. So <laughs> I'll, I'll take a loss there if it means Byron Buxton arrives for real. No so. losses one week into the season. You're good so far. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No Short victory laps, sizes. no loss laps. You're good. <laughs> well, before we move on, I'd like to give a big shout out to the pink machine that is Pepto-Bismol on behalf of <laughs> Byron Buxton. New um, endorsement. Yeah. Yes, we're 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 all over. We're not we're not getting paid by Pepto Bismol. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> not yet. We will be. All right. Uh, you got so, something in the works there? I don't know about man. Which which works I, are you talking? I don't about? know. <laughs> I'm just gonna leave it out there. And let the uh, imagination yes. run wild. So, yes. all right, let's jump into some week one news and notes and stuff like that. And uh, we'll we'll start with some injury news. Who, baby? There's a lot. Uh, I, I sent you the the rundown a couple of days ago, and there was like five or six. Yeah, there's like ten now. So <laughs> it's it's this is gonna take a while. <laughs> No, we'll try to get to it quick, but obviously first and biggest one of the year and probably going to be the biggest of the year. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. has that shoulder subluxation. Um, they're saying he's not going to get he's not going to get surgery yet. I mean, I, I don't know. It feels like he just should. Um, but, you know, because he's not getting surgery yet. You know, what do you do with him in redraft leagues? You know, obviously, if you have an IL slot, he just goes there. But, you know, what do you do with him? Do you try to, like, let's say you don't have one. Do you drop him? Do you try to trade him to somebody who wants to take a chance? Like, what would you do? I mean, I think you have to hold him, given the potential that he has. But I think that the bigger move is not what you do with him, but what you do with the rest of your roster. I think you need to have a long-term solution at shortstop. Because sometimes we can play this game where we're streaming hitters, try to fill a void, uh, you know, pick up guys who have good matchups that week, et cetera, et cetera. But I think... For Tatis, you need you need a long-term solution at shortstop or middle infield, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. because there is good potential. Even if he does come back, he could get re- re-injured mm-hmm. or the effectiveness may be down. So I would say plan as if he's not going to be there. Like kind of just pretend he's not going to be there. And whatever production he does give you is a cherry on top. But I think that from a roster-building perspective, you need to kind of just operate under the assumption you're not going to get the production you would have otherwise gotten, whether he's there or not. Yeah, I, I agree with that. So, secondary question to this is, you know, who who gains the most from his injury on that roster? You know, I think Kim is is somebody pro far, but you know, what do we what are we seeing here? I think they uh, there was rumors they were either trading for somebody or they did sign somebody. I forget. Oh, there was rumors Arcia was going to go there. That <laughs> then then they decided to just like yeah. send him down to the minors. No, like, They're like, oh, yeah, never mind, Arcia. <laughs> What were we thinking? <laughs> uh, but yeah, who who gains the most on that on that current roster right now? I think Profar benefits a lot because he was batting eighth, and like getting anybody out of eighth is huge because the eighth spot is like a, a suck hole for the National League, and like it's just a place you don't want to be. So he's been hitting sixth, and the value of batting sixth versus the value of batting <laughs> eighth is monumental. Like Kim's going to play a lot more. I think he could be interesting, and I'm excited to see what he can do. But I think, like from an immediate upgrade perspective, I think that Profar, just from a spot in the batting order perspective, really does gain a lot in not batting directly in front of the pitcher. Yeah, I agree with that. I, yeah. I think Kim gains a lot of value too. I think that opens up a lot of playing time for him as well. Um, but you know, we'll see what happens. What happens with him? He struggled a lot in the spring and stuff like that. So, yeah. All right, All right. moving on here. 
Well, let's keep it in this division here for now. Uh, we got uh, Joachim Soria is out with a left calf strain right now. So who are we looking at to get the bulk of these saves while he's out? It's just a super murky situation that I like. <laughs> you can take stabs because like free saves are free saves. Right. So like take True. stabs. Don't just throw your hands up and avoid it. But like. I can't tell you right now who that person will wind up being. I think from like a talent perspective, Kevin Ginkle's like kind of interesting just because I, he can get some strikeouts. So even if he's not like, if you have him on his, on your roster, probably not going to sink your ratios. He can get you some strikeouts. So I think if I were to roster someone, he might not be the most likely guy to get saves, but just from like a talent perspective, I'd, I'd favor him. I just like, I don't know who's actually going to be the guy there. Yeah. My, my quick, tidbit on this is is i like inkle a little bit more than the rest but crickton is the guy who i think is there too and then davinsky who is on the restricted list for personal reasons whatever that means uh but yeah i mean in, in some deeper leagues i've gone out and grabbed like two of these guys and just figure out which one i can you know i'll, I'll hold on to him for a week and see see what happens although arizona needs to win some games for me to figure that out first too so <laughs> who <Yeah>. knows <laughs> So. I'd say if they could even get like a lead towards the end right. of the game, maybe you'd yeah, be able to get a pretty bad. And then I'm getting a hit blown, before the sixth but... inning. Like if you get a hit before the yeah. sixth, we're good. And like that's like Oakland. In the past it's like Oakland situation, man. You're like, who knows what's going to happen over there? Cause they don't win a game. So yeah, <laughs> whatever. And moving on here to the Orioles, Austin Hayes. I mean, I feel like a what else is new is due here. Like this guy just he's so so talented. I I love him as a player, but he just can't stay healthy. You know, the same mild hamstring. I say hold, you know, if you can, honestly. I don't think there's really much to talk about here. Like he should be back soon. You know, if you can hold, I I say hold. So I think that's what you can do if you can. I, I unfortunately am in a situation where like in a lot of leagues, I can't because yeah. I just have so many injuries. So like yeah. if you have like a three IL spot league, you might be in a pinch um, at this point. So I think I kind of view him as being like a, a good player, but kind of like a low-ish upside player, just because I don't know how much power there will necessarily be. Not a lot of hard hit balls uh, throughout the entirety of the past couple of years. So if you have to make a spot, I feel like it would be okay to potentially cut him, but hold if you can. I think that's the correct way to phrase it. Hold if you can. Yeah. But sometimes, we, you know, we're in really desperate situations here right now. <laughs> and yeah. it's early too, so man, it's it's not. I've a got week a lot into of the IL. season, and I've got a lot. Everybody of is desperate. The yep. waiver wires are emptied. It's I have a dynasty hard. league where my injured league slots are filled. Like how did like it's seven guys and they're oh. already filled. So like, what am I supposed to do there? I'm right there with you, man. Yeah. Ugh. I started off yeah. the season with Eloy and both of my, both of my main same leagues, yeah. Eloy gone. Like, yep. Great. Thanks. <laughs> yep. Same here. So well, we'll, uh, we'll keep it on the hamstrings here uh, and go with Tim Anderson. He is now on the 10 day IL. Sounds like he's probably going to return next Thursday. At least that's what he's aiming for. Uh, I mean, what are your thoughts on Anderson? Yeah, I mean, I think he's a really good player, and I think he's a great fantasy asset. So, I mean, he's in that same dynasty league where I have Eloy, so that's fun. Um, and it's kind of indicative of where the White Sox are at right now, where they've lost a lot of really good players, and that's taking a hit on their offense. So once he does come back, the value of Anderson lower than it would have been previously, especially because if it's a hamstring, if it lingers, might not run as much. But I still think that just because he's so good, it's not going to worry you too much, but you know maybe lower expectations a bit on the speed side because it is specifically a hamstring injury. Yeah, 
yeah, we talk about hamstrings uh, pretty much weekly, I feel like, um, between baseball and football. So it, it is one of those things that just sits and sits and lingers. And, you know, some guys are okay and can work around it. Other guys just cripples their season. So, all right, what we got next, Joe? All right, so actually, we're we're gonna <clears throat> we're gonna pause this for a second. Uh, our producer Jeff just sent us something here in the in the chat, and uh, we're seeing MLB is inspecting suspicious baseballs from Trevor Bauer's latest starts. And I haven't read this yet, but my 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 guess here is that you know there was some doctoring on on the pitch on on the balls here, and. And so they're, you know, they're they're looking into it to see if he cheated or whatever. Um, it's <laughs> how else do you think he was getting all those strikeouts with one eye closed? <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, like he basically said he was doing this, so like we, you kind of had to assume this is going to happen at some point this year. Yeah, and I think that was one of the risks with Bauer going in was not just like maybe they, you know, limit innings stuff like that, but like this could happen, and like he didn't hide it. He's not. He would not be a good criminal. I think is the assessment of Trevor Bauer here. Yeah. I don't think he cares. No, he probably doesn't. You're right. You're he's right. It's like again, he's bad like, criminal because of that. Yeah. yeah, he's the the serial killer that's sitting at the uh, you know interrogation room. As soon as they close the door, he's just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I did it. Right. And exactly. I'm like, uh, well, that was easy. Okay. Well, we're not even going to offer you a random soda that we're just going to steal your DNA <laughs> from later, uh, or a cigarette. So uh, thanks. And I think yeah. the reason this is concerning is because like if you look at Bauer's numbers before. 2020 like he was very inconsistent always tinkering yes. stuff like that yep. and the hope was that he had found something but the th- the thing he may have found was like pine tar so like yeah. that's, that's that's exactly concerning so, i so struck I, I, texas probably, tea in my backyard <laughs> and i brought well, yeah, my backyard I, to la so yeah I'm, <laughs> I'm reading this and it said the umpires from the game this last game uh have collected multiple suspicious baseballs that Bauer threw, according to Trevor Rosenthal, who writes they that they had visible markings and were sticky. So yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. There you go. Blown away. That could mean a lot of things. And you, AJ, when you're talking about balls and then being talking sticky about, and leaving marks on he's things. He's a weird guy, man. I'm not going to put anything. We've gone from poop jokes <sighs> and, to this. One eye closed. <laughs> I mean, tonight. There, this is a rabbit hole. You do not want me to go down. Um, no, we're done. We're going to move on. Can we go back on. to the subluxation? Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, at least maybe that. Nope. Never mind. I could. I could work with that too. Wow. <laughs> I'm sure you can make a joke about this too. Michael Brantley has a wrist injury. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, Speaking of sticky balls. Yeah, what? yeah. <laughs> sorry, Jim. <laughs> Welcome to the show. <laughs> yeah. All right. Spend a Thursday night. Really good. not this much of a toilet. Uh, <laughs> well, I started it. In fairness to you, I started it. You know, although I was saying facts, like he definitely had diarrhea. It's like you know, well, saying a yeah, fact, but no. I did start it. Hey, oh, it's geez. fine. It's it, facts are something that I like to run with uh, often. <laughs> hmm. All right, so Michael Brantley dealing with a wrist injury after uh, getting hit by a pitch over the weekend has not returned. They, you know, they kept saying he's going to return Monday. He's going to return Tuesday, and he just never does. So. uh I mean, I, you know, I don't think anybody's running out to drop this guy, but, you know, Brantley's got an injury history himself. So this is a little bit worrisome now that he hasn't returned in, you know, what, five, six days. So you, you'd hope this heals a little bit faster. Yeah, he, he got in there today. Uh, got oh, a couple did he? Played appearances. Yes, he got a hit. Oh, nice. Um, okay, good. But, like, the reason that's not 
doesn't mean you're like totally out of the clear is it's a wrist and like anything that involves a wrist like that can sap power for a long time so i would mm-hmm. say like just kind of monitoring i, I like obviously you're yeah. not going to make a roster change but like keep an eye like is he getting any barrel he does not a big barrel guy anyway but like you know what's his contact his, his bad ball data looking like i would just say keep it as a red flag in your mind to keep an eye on him and see what he's doing coming back yeah I, I'm sorry. I just I to keep dazing off because I have super troopers in my head and wrist injury and speed. <laughs> and anyway, calf injury after getting spiked <clears throat> is our next topic for Mr. Bellinger. Uh, he will not be in the lineup this Friday either. At this point, I L stands got to be considered, right? Yeah, probably. Um, I, I think the good thing for him, like long term, is that it's not. It's not like one of those checklist injuries that you have. It's not a hand injury, not a wrist injury, not an oblique injury, not something that that lingers. So once he gets back, he should be good to go. I know like, you know, Bellinger's had some, some rough stints for sure. But I think if you're looking like beyond once he gets back, like that should make you feel good knowing that once he is out there, you should be back to regular Cody Bellinger again. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. This isn't a major injury in my, in my book. Uh, You just have to hope that it's going to heal fast and doesn't go on the IL at this point, you know, just from it, just having to heal. Um, moving on here, a teammate of his, Mookie Betts. He's day to day with some back soreness. Um, I, I don't know, to me, anything that involves the back is 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 a little worrisome, in my opinion. Uh, even if they're just calling it soreness, it could be a lot of things. So, um, I'm looking for an update, or hopefully him gets getting in the lineup, you know, soon. Before uh, I, I'm not <laughs> worried about this one. So, <clears throat> yeah, back soreness is basically the. Uh, baseball equivalent to hockey's upper body injury, yeah. And the guy misses like an hour, um, because <laughs> he plays hockey, not baseball. Uh, but uh, big shout out, thank you, Robert. Uh, we will do what we can to keep up the great work. Uh, glad you love the content, keep listening. Um, I can't answer on the other thing, so I have to uh, throw it out there when I can. All <laughs> right, so we're talking about another massive always injured guy james paxton lasted a whopping one and a third innings this season and he's on the il that's i mean that that's almost buxton-esque i feel like i'm <laughs> I, 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 sorry I had, to, I had to throw that out there anything that ends in x-t-o-n just cursed like that's, 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 that's <laughs> basically yeah i mean it's like all right well this makes sense um i mean it, it, they're saying it's not nearly as bad as last season i, I mean i feel like we've oh, heard that's what he that said. before how what are, what are you thinking on paxton i mean he's getting a second opinion which is never never a good a good thing like if you're getting a second opinion, it means you didn't like what you heard in the first one yeah. so i think that's worrisome i think it's worrisome given his his injury history mm-hmm. given that it was like similar stuff last year he he was throwing hard before he got hurt it's so, like that's good so if it does want yeah. to be nothing, like you can feel maybe good about him then. But like, I think the the second opinion thing always, always has to get your attention. Yeah, especially I mean, when got... you're James Paxton. Right. You're like, <laughs> look, I know, I know that this does not feel right. So I'm gonna just get a second opinion because you're telling me it's also not right. Right. And I don't like that. I, I need to play ball. Yeah, I mean, he's being recommended for Tommy John, so. <laughs> Uh, that's not that's not good news. So, <clears throat> um, uh, moving over here to Kettle Marte, 
who was having a great start to the season at a very miserable, miserable 2020. Uh, but he left Wednesday game, Wednesday's game with a hamstring injury. Didn't look good either, man. He hobbled off pretty bad. So, you know, we won't get the MRI results till probably Friday at the at best. Um, but I mean, what's what's your thoughts about this one here? I mean, it's it's annoying because, like you said, he was playing really well, and I think that if you were counting on Marte to start running again, it's definitely not going to happen now, given that injury. I would assume people probably were not banking on that, but in the off case, you were like assuming he gets you ten or so steals. You need to account for that elsewhere. Like, make other plans, try to acquire some speed elsewhere because. Once he gets back, I think it's it's a massive, massive long shot that he suddenly goes back to being, you know, aggressive on the base paths. Yeah, I, I agree there. So yeah. hopefully the power can come back if it happens because yeah. he was that's what he was doing. He was hitting bombs again. So it was good yeah. stuff. This one, this one is just painful, painful to even talk about because I who would have predicted this? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> And it, it also sucks because uh, he has the initials that I have, uh, sort of. Aaron Judge. Well, the jury's out on you, pal. You suck. You're always injured. And now you're out due to general soreness. Again, hockey injury in his left side. This literally is a hockey injury. Uh, I mean, I'm not a doctor. I, I mean, I could call it Paxton, but that sounds pretty much like an oblique injury. Thoughts? That's one of the red flag injuries. Like that's one of the ones where the alarm bells go off right away. So, but like, obviously, it's exciting when he's playing because he's super fun to watch and stuff like that. But that's a concern. So it's kind of like the Brantley thing, where even you know, like, let's say he magically plays this weekend. If he's out there, keep an eye on him because you need to make sure the power is there because that's another one of those injuries that's on the checklist. Where whenever, even when they come back. They might not be what they were previously. Like oblique injuries always, always scare me. Yeah. yeah. Um, I feel <clears> like there's usually like six to 24 oblique injuries within the first couple of weeks of the baseball season. So mm-hmm. this will not be the last one we talk about. No, absolutely not. And Judge was a guy who we said many times, like despite his lower ADP than usual, I wasn't going anywhere near him because this just keeps happening. So him and him and Stanton both, and Stanton was like dirt cheap this year compared to where he usually goes, and I still didn't want him. So, all right, moving over here to the Pittsburgh Pirates, we got a uh, Brian Hayes. Uh, I got a feel for this kid, man. He he started off pretty well into the year. I know short sample size, but um, you know, left wrist injury put him on the IL. I'm reading they're hoping he's back by May, but it's really unclear at this point. Um, he hasn't even been clear to swing a bat. I mean, again, another one of those, like, what do you do with him if he's sitting there on your roster and you don't have room on an IL for him? Yeah, I think it depends on, like, your situation. I think that with him, there might be a little bit more room for, like, upside to squeeze. Uh, we were talking about with Hayes before. Uh, like, right. a little bit more hard, hard contact out of Hayes. Um, I guess they're both Hayes. So it's yeah, not, it's like, like clarify right. there. Uh, with Cabrian. <laughs> Hayes uh, without the E. Yes, exactly. More upside there because I think that there are better odds. He steals a significant number of bases. <laughs> I think the power is better as well. So I think I'd be more inclined to hold him. Like if you have both and you have to cut one, I'd probably hold Cabrian over Austin. Um, but, uh, you know, I think the upside is still there. And you're talking about the small sample size. And that's true. But the good thing is that he's done the things you want to do in that small sample size. Good mm-hmm. good numbers and the numbers that stabilize quickly. Like 
decent places, discipline numbers, but especially good in the in the batted ball profile. Yeah, no, I, I think he's a, a star in the making here. Um, but yeah, it's just unfortunate with the with the wrist injury. So, AJ, finish up the injuries here, and let's move on to some more fun topics. All right, uh, George Springer is dealing with a grade one quad strain. Um, we've talked about this a little bit as well while well, him being injured in general, but he has ran the bases today and he's trying to recover from shocker and oblique injury. Ding, 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 ding. Um, no <laughs> whammy, his no whammy, no whammy. Stop. Ow, my wrist and my oblique. Yeah. George Springer. What are we it's doing? Rough. Well, I, the, the reason that it's so rough is that I can't just like dismiss him because he's going to play in a very good offense. I think that's yeah. super enticing. He's a very good player. Uh, tremendous numbers for him last year, 12.3% barrel rate, 17% strikeout rate. Like if you can combine those two numbers, that's a good batting average projection and good power projection. So the ability when he's healthy is going to be phenomenal given the context around him and even the team and given the talent, just like, again, so concerning when it's the, when the, I know that this specific new injury is not the oblique, but when it's involved, it's still so, so concerning. Yeah. I don't know. Springer. I I think they, I think they, 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 what's the right word? They, they didn't manage him correctly in the spring for one that like, as soon as he had soreness in the side, sit him down, but they let him play through it. And then it became obviously a lot worse. So he start, didn't start the season and now he gets this. So like, I think honestly, Toronto has nobody but themselves to blame at this point, but it is what it is. So, all right, man, let's jump into some more fun topics. Let's talk about some of these hot starts from uh rather, honestly, pretty unexpected places. Um, you know, all of these guys have been pretty popular waiver wire ads, and we'll start with probably the top here. Your mean Mercedes um, guy started out the season eight for eight, uh, <clears throat> just on fire. I was slowed down a little bit, but then today goes out and hits another bomb. So, guys, is crazy. I, you know, look, I, I obviously in leagues where he's got catcher eligibility, like no brainer. <laughs> Come on, he's he was at it day one, um, but there's a lot of leagues, a lot of sites where he's only utility eligible, and I know NFBC is one, Yahoo is one. I'm not sure all of them, but I know that those two are it. What do you do with him there? Like, is he still like you just rostering him regardless, even though he eats that utility spot for you? I mean, it depends on like what you have. Like, if you have a Nelson Cruz, it's really tough to get there. Right. Um, so, if you have a Cruz, it's it's tough. I'd still probably try to, just because like you want to have good players in your team, if if nothing else, but to block other mm-hmm. people from having him. Uh, but like, there's reason to believe in this. Like, he showed good skills in AAA back in 2019. So it's not like this came totally out of nowhere. He's been in the batting order five of the past six days, hitting in the middle of that order, and. Like we talked about with Jimenez and Anderson before, like they need power. They need good hitters in this lineup, and he is that. So I see no reason to expect his playing time to scale back. And I think that the obviously the skills are going to come back from where they are, but I think the the long-term projection is still a good hitter. So I would say add him, and I think they kind of figure it out from there. Add him now and decide what to do with him after that. Once we get more information, once, you know, maybe the injuries happen to your team that free up some space, stuff like right. that. I would say add him now. So you have another good bat on your team. Yeah, I, I'm all in with, with getting him. I, I kind of 
fell asleep in a couple of leagues and wasn't really paying attention to it the first couple of days and was like, wait a minute, who, wait, what? This guy went eight, <laughs> eight with a bomb? Like, oh, crap. And we went out to one league. I was like, oh, he's still there. He grabbed him. I didn't even care yes. what he had. <laughs> so. All right. Well, this should be fun because I'm going to uh, kill this guy's name pretty bad, dude. Uh, I think it's Akil Badu. Yeah. Yep. Maybe. All right. Got it. Okay. Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> uh, I am not the terrible cupcake in that picture that's supposed to be Cookie Monster. Um, first game was April 4th. Uh, he took the first pitch he ever saw in the majors out. Uh, then he homered in the next game. So overall, he's five for 11 with those two homers, seven RBIs and a steal. I mean, that's a pretty good first week. I would take that. I mean, what are your thoughts on uh, Akil? Yeah, I think that he's really fun because you look at his minor league profile, and although like it's always, I always try to be someone who believes in what teams tell us, and the Twins told us they didn't value him that much by leaving him open for the Rule Five draft, and like that should be a red flag. But then you look at the minor league profile; good numbers for him showed some speed down there. Look at the spring training numbers with the Tigers; absolutely absurd. And now what he's doing in in the regular season, like he's kind of forcing himself into, into playing time. So although the playing time, not super consistent right now, he could eventually work his way into that. I think that's encouraging. The one thing I would say is that he did strike out a bit too much in the minors. He did strike out a bit too much in spring training as well, despite the power. So keep an eye on that. There could be cold streaks. So the cold streaks could lead to his playing time going down a bit. So Keep an eye on that, especially just looking at the plate discipline numbers, because they do start to slide. That could be where things start to turn in the wrong direction. But for now, ride the waves, see if this continues. And because I mean, he's like available everywhere. Yeah. Like even in like dynasty leagues, like you can get this guy now. So I would say get him kind of like with Mercedes, like get him now, figure out what you want to do with him later on. Yeah, you've 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 drafted guys in the last 10 rounds of your fantasy baseball draft that way suck. worse so yes. <laughs> go ahead and take a stab at some of these upside dudes i, I absolutely agree with that i think i snagged my dude in one of my uh, nfbc leagues um over the weekend and uh i was just like yeah whatever i threw like three dollars at him and got him i was like yeah, yeah. i'll figure it out i'll figure it out later <laughs> three dollars yeah, out of a thousand why not so. uh but, another guy still waiting on on that like number five pitcher for the nats who hasn't had a chance to pitch yet because you know covid Am I dropping that guy for Kiel Badu? Yes. The answer is yes. Yeah. Why not? Who is the fifth starter for the Nets? I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. They, they, know. Is that no. Joe Ross? Like, <laughs> Dad, did he win it? I don't even know. Like, I kind of didn't Oof. look at that one. Maybe. I mean, I was a huge Joe Ross fan like two years ago. I was a Joe Ross fan like <laughs> six it. years ago. Yeah. yeah. However long ago it was, he was supposed to be good. He's, he's <laughs> held like, him way too long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like he's my oh. Buxton. I sold Joe Ross short. He's actually the fourth starter. Oh, so sorry, man. Joe. Kudos to you. Fetty? Yeah. Until he gets injured. <laughs> Joe Ross, uh, guaranteed 30 game winner this year. What could go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. Uh, speaking of, well, ex nationals players, I suppose, Michael A. Taylor. Uh, now with Kansas City, he started the season on a five-game hit streak, going eight for 20 overall with two bombs, six RBI. No steals yet, but we know those are coming. I mean, could this guy be a legit 2020 guy if he you know stays healthy? Because injuries have been a big concern for him. 
Yeah, I mean, the playing time should be there, which is good because yeah. like he's not really blocking anybody of major note right now. So I think that's good. And like Kansas City's not bad. So I don't think they have any incentive to like just shoot for youth. So like might as well roll him out there. If well, he's they traded well. for Ben Attendi, so they think they're awesome. Right. And like <laughs> they're fun. I think that's the word it needs for them. Like AJ. Jorge Soler's fun. So yeah. like they're a fun team. I think there's something, oh, there's value in that. Uh, but Michael Taylor last year, 13.8% barrel rate. That's pretty good. Strikeout rate, manageable. It was 25% in the spring. So I think the power is legit. He went over two trying to steal in the spring. So I think that like if he were to fall short of one of those, it actually might be the steals, which is weird because like he's crazy fast. I just don't know. Like, when Kansas City likes to run, or at least they used to. Yeah, yeah <laughs> like, That was their oh, game. Yeah. But now they went after power, it seems like. It's kind of odd. Right. I don't know. It's weird. It's weird, but I think for some reason, I don't know if this is stupid. I'm I'm actually more concerned about the speed than the power, which is probably a good problem to have, I guess. Well, yeah, I feel, depending I feel like, on you know how you drafted him, you might have drafted him or picked him up, true. hoping you got more steals. I mean, true. how he fits yeah. on your team, exactly. Yeah, I feel like Kansas City was just very, you know, adamant about we're going against power. We're going to stick with steals because now nobody else is stealing. Well, guess what? Right. KC still stealing. Right. Yeah, we might not hit homers, but our park's a, it's a pitcher's park, so suck it. Stealing yeah. in bullpen, that was their thing, man. Yeah, exactly. So, all right, next guy we got here is Nate Lowe. He's collected an RBI in the first uh, five games this season, giving him a total of 14 on the year. Um, that's pretty solid to uh, to start the year. Fourteen. I, there there might even be some teams that don't even have fourteen runs scored. I feel like so Nate Lowe's just better than a whole My, team Miami of people <laughs> yeah. at least over the first weekend. And by peoples, I mean batters clearly, right? Because I don't know where the hell peoples came from. Probably <laughs> probably you stick man. Joint keep keep drinking, AJ. Oh wait. Well, speaking of of potty, yeah. See, we got a little roll of roll of toilet paper right oh, here for the geez. double deuce. It never ends. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> very fitting. I digress. Nate Lowe, <laughs> do we like him or not? I think the power is legit. I think that's encouraging. I don't know if the runs batted in will stick because I think this offense long term is probably gonna be pretty bad. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure if the context for him will stay as good. And also like. Texas's ballpark this time of year is a hitter's park because every other park is bad for hitting because it's so cold there. But once those get warmer, it becomes a pitcher pitcher's park. So the offense going to regress. The pit the the park will become more of a pitcher park relative to the rest of the league. That'll regress. But I think he has like legit power. He's shown the power every stop. I don't. I think like there is a very serious lid on his ceiling though because he's not going to be a high batting average guy with that uh, with that strikeout rate. Probably not going to be a great offense, which does limit him with regards to RBIs and runs scored. So there are very limit, obvious limitations to his ceiling, but power's power. And like, I think it's hard to turn that down. If it's available to you, take it. Uh, just just keep in, in, keep in mind that not going to be a good batting average guy, and I wouldn't expect the RBI production to stick around all, the whole year. <laughs> no, I mean, at that rate, no. But yeah, I mean... Like he's a talented guy, and I'm kind of surprised you know Tampa gave up on him so easily. But uh, you know they did, and now Texas gets to reap the benefits. And, and you know, so sweet, they're, they're still going to be bad, but right, <laughs> less bad. Yeah, like maybe, maybe he'll be. Okay. We have at least one guy that can now hit RBIs, so that's cool. <laughs> Swimming in them. Yeah. All right. 
Moving over here to Tyler Naquin, uh, Cincinnati Red. Man, he's been swinging a hot bat, and I, <laughs> my, I mean, my my dynasty league that I'm in, I've got like four outfielders that got hurt within the first three days, and I'm just like out there the way wild. Like, well, Naquin hit a bomb a couple of days ago. Sure, click, and then he hits two, and then another one. So he's up to four, and the guy I'm playing is just like. Are you serious? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I mean, thanks. I, I, thanks I for what, that pick. I know, I know what I'm doing. No, I'm just, yeah. I had no idea. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. <laughs> I would have drafted him if I could have. Right. Um, I mean, he was considered a backup outfielder, but at this point, he's just like playing himself into the starting lineup right now. But like, how long does this continue for him? Because he's not known as a, a guy who can do this. I think like it could stick around because it's a good ballpark for hitting for sure, which is good. And also like you look at his numbers last year, he was super unlucky. His expected weighted on base average was 323, whereas actual Woba was 268. So clearly a lot of bad luck there for mm-hmm. Naquin now going to a team where, like you said, like he's earning himself playing time. Good park for hitting. He was in a good park for hitting previously too. So it's not like just like total, you know, situation change for him, but I don't think it's that outrageous to think that he could be pretty good. Another guy who will strike out a decent amount. So you're not expecting him to be like a huge contributor across the board as far as every category, but better offense here, I think, uh, than the one we're talking about with low. So I I don't think it's totally outrageous to think that Naquin could actually be a hitter, not because of what he's done this year, but because what he did last year would just, he got crazy, crazy unlucky there. Yeah. I mean, I I'll be honest, like I haven't looked a ton like into the deep numbers for for Naquin, but I just uh, you know I, I figured I'd take a shot, and it seems to be working out. And I mean, since he's got a uh, they got a pretty good offense, like everybody yeah. wants to like discredit that, but like they've been putting up runs, man. Like <laughs> lots of like f- I've seen double digits from them a couple times already this season. So that's gonna be a fun offense to watch for sure. And uh, if he can stay in it, that's gonna be a good pickup. So all right, AJ, finish it up here, man. All right, last guy we got here is basically the Mets version of Joe Ross, and that is Steven Matz. I don't know if I go Even that though far, he's man. not with the Mets anymore. <laughs> um, I mean, he had a great start, great first start, strike, striking out nine in uh, six and a third. He only allowed one run. Now, I feel like we have seen some flashes of Matz uh, and, and the greatness that he has the potential for but what are you taking from this one start i think there's some good and bad uh the good is that he leaned into his changeup that used to be a good pitch for him so seeing him use that changeup a lot is good also had really good velocity there and like his changeup used to be a good pitch so i I think that having good velocity leaning into that changeup making it look like it was before 2020 is a positive he also had a 15.4 percent swinging strike rate so good numbers there the reason that I still think there's room for skepticism is he did it against Texas, and Texas yeah. is bad overall, but they're especially horrendous against lefties because they're a very lefty-heavy team. So I think that I always try to have like red flags in my head of teams who are so bad where I need to take performances against them with a grain of salt. And Texas against the lefty, very much one of those. So. I would say it's a situation where I want to keep watching him, want to see if he can continue to do what he does against a competent big league team. Mm-hmm. Um, and if he can do that, then I'm good. Because, there are, again, there were changes that he made that could lead to improvements. I just want to see, I just want to see it happen against a non-Texas team, basically. 
Yeah, so real quick throw in I just uh pulled up here. Looks like Trevor Rosenthal could miss at least twelve weeks. This is courtesy of Closer Monkey. Um they uh they had him as their record breaking closer signing and now he's considered Ouch. he's considering uh thoracic outlet surgery, if I pronounce thoracic. that right, and I yep. am able to read. Um yeah, so 12 weeks for that. And now they're looking at Diekman, um, Romo, and, and Yosemiro Pettit. Uh, we already talked about Oakland not really winning games anyway, so just had to throw that out there real quick. Yeah, that, good, good, good luck. <laughs> like we were talking about red flags with injuries before, thoracic outlet syndrome surgery is like the number one like red yeah. flag. Like that basically ended Phil Hughes' career. So, I mean, not, you know, Phil Hughes, but um, like that's that's yeah. number one on the red flag checklist for injuries. Yeah, it, it, this sucks, man. He, God, he was being drafted as the first closer off the board in a lot of leagues, you know, even over Hayter in, in some cases. So that's uh, it's pretty rough. Um, anyway, let's jump into some. Just a general pitching question now that we finally got to a pitcher that, that off to a hot start, and because uh, there's not a lot of them that weren't expected. And uh, I think the biggest reason we're seeing that is we're seeing a lack of innings pitched from a lot of these guys. And one of our writers over Fantasy Six Pack, Tyler Thompson, uh, just this was after I even picked the topic, uh, wrote an article about the innings pitched trends and we're seeing from 2007 to now it's gone anywhere between 5.8 and six in the early part of that suddenly in the last like five years has dropped to 4.8 innings pitch per game start. So, I mean, like what are we doing here with, with these starting pitchers and how do we, how do we manage our pitching staffs now? Like with, with these guys not going deep enough into games to really matter for much of anything. I think it's going to be similar to last year. Cause you look at pitch counts. Um, they are very, like there are some weird similarities, like guys getting the exact same pitch counts as they had in the openers last year. I think uh, there was someone who had gone, I think it was, might've been glass now um, had basically the same pitch count in his first start this year as he did last I think It was five pitches apart. So I think what we're going to see is once we get into May, guys probably going around 100 pitches or so. But the big change this year, we might see more of the six-man rotations and stuff like that. Guys getting pushed back a day, getting more spot starts. Mm -hmm. So I think that it does force you to reevaluate some things, uh, and it definitely does alter the outlook. But I, what I would say is that if, if you have adjusted it over time to that, it's not going to require a big deviation from last year. Cause I would expect it to be pretty similar to last year, just based on the pitch counts we've seen from guys so far the first couple of weeks. Yeah. I mean, I think this is why you saw, I don't think this is why you saw those top 15 pitchers that you would hope to rely on getting six, seven innings more times than not go super early i mean you used to be able to wait on pitching you can't really do that anymore your back end pitchers now you know if they hit 90 pitches by the fifth inning they're just gonna get pulled like and the, the the managers don't care and so another side of this topic is that you know we 
years ago, right, we saw quality starts become super popular. Uh, and I was one who advocated for it and changed all of my leagues to it. Even got my my points league to kind of sw- to shift the scoring to more of a quality starts than a wins. Now we give points for wins still, but quality starts matters more. Um, but like now quality starts because guys aren't going deep enough to get quality. Starts. at least a win, you only need five, right? But quality starts, you need six. So I wonder like, what's your opinion on the quality start versus win still, or is there something else that might be better now that we should be sw- uh, adjusting to? I think finding something better would be very tough. Um, so I, I, I don't know what I could get there, but I think that there's value in both wins and quality starts. Cause you think about it, like, from a a quality of play perspective as a fantasy baseball player, like it does take some talent to identify pitchers who will be in position for wins because you have to account for team context. You have to account for bullpen with stuff like that. So there is some some skill in fantasy baseball in identifying guys who can get wins, but there's also skill in identifying guys who get quality starts. Like Lance Lynn this year was a guy who, you know, from the skills perspective, probably went higher than he should have, but – because he was going to go 105 and he's like this massive horse, like you could count on him and you could, I didn't take him where he's going personally. Cause I prefer to go sell out for strikeouts and stuff like that. But like, by you the could way, justify just went, where he's going. You just threw a complete game. 11 K shot out by the, today, by the way. Sounds good. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. Seems pretty good. Great, great pull there. Glad I, don't know glad I took purpose, him where he was going. <laughs> right. Right. I didn't. I think so, in both of my leagues, awesome. actually. Right. But like, nice. that's why you could have justified doing that because you knew he was going to go deep. So mm-hmm. whether it's wins or quality starts, there was still skill in identifying them. And this is translatable to other sports too. Like there's stuff in fantasy football that, it doesn't take a skill to catch a pass like a PPR league, like a, a slot guy with a two yard a dot, like they're going to be overvalued relative to actual base or actual football, but it does take skill to identify that. So I think that you can kind of go either way. I personally probably do lean towards quality starts still, but I think that uh, it takes skill no matter what, even if they're not as easy to predict as something like strikeouts and stuff like that. Yeah, AJ, I'll let you give your opinion on this because I've got something else I want to say too before we. Yeah, I think. I mean, I've always been, I guess, a quote unquote traditionalist with the wins. Excuse me. But, uh, you know, with some help and prodding and force from Joe, I've agreed that quality starts are worthwhile or were more worth. I might have bribed him. I'm just kidding. <laughs> lots of money came my way. Um, lots of beer. This is how this is how I drink beers with you know stick figures on them because <laughs> of the money that this guy put out. I don't even know. Um, I, I probably could draw better labels. No, I'm just kidding. This this is a great label, Stickman Brews. Keep them coming. Um, yeah, I I just think that I I understand and agree with your point that it does take some skill to pick the guys you think are going to get the wins at the same time. I feel like a lot of the shift that we've seen with the quality starts, you know, you're getting the starters that are going to get the quality starts, but they don't have to be in line for the win to get that stat and get you those points or that category 
if you've switched to that in your your leagues. Um, if there was a way, I, I mean, I'm trying to think here. So it's, <laughs> I, I I've looked at, at some of my categories leagues more as bullpen heavy leagues than starters. Yeah, I know I'm gonna lose on K's most weeks, um, if not every week, but my ratios are gonna be better, and I'm trying to play the odds of getting those two categories as opposed to the one and possibly the saves hold category as well. Um so but those are guys that can come in and your starters already got the quality start but he may have left in a tied game. Now you're pu- pulling in this bullpen guy um, who is either a potential long reliever who can pitch at least two innings and then be that bridge from the starter to the closer if they've gone ahead. So he's the guy that's getting the win. So I, I, I do think it's a little harder to predict the wins. Um, and it, it is a, a very skilled art to be able to do that with the starters because it is such a crapshoot now, especially if they're not even going five innings. Um, I also think that it's early in the season. Um, The guys are coming off of a season that we've never seen before uh, with, with 60 games to this pandemic. Um and, you know, I know we've had the shortened seasons because of strikes and whatever, but this is, you know, to be cliche, unprecedented times um, <laughs> for sports, for everything. And I think that this 4.8 innings per game is a product of that. These guys are trained individuals who are creatures of habit. They are used to going out every fifth day, pitching their innings. If they get their asses lit up, they get lit up. Sometimes they get pulled in the second, uh, sometimes in the first, uh, you know, or early in the second, like James Paxton, but that's injury related because it's Paxton. But other times the manager's just like, hey, you know what? F off. This is your problem. You figure it out. And they leave them out there because they don't want to tax the hell out of their <laughs> bullpen. <laughs> because you know they know that the next day they're going with a uh, uh, you know Ryan Stanek who's going to be an opener. Talking about Luis Castillo on opening day, <laughs> that was yeah. brutal. Kyle Gibson going a third oh, inning. God, he got <laughs> oh, one thirty-five ER. Castillo, they just left in there. They were just like, you gave up four runs or seven runs in the first inning. Deal with it. <laughs> I am very, very proud of myself for not dipping into that Kyle Gibson well, thinking, man, I just really need to get some starters today. <laughs> no, I I, no. I knew better, starters. and I actually listened to oh, myself good. for knowing better. Be proud of yourself. Great, Greg exactly. from yes. our league, if you're listening. Great yeah. job. AJ, don't be a Greg. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, this is exactly. a guy who streams every starting pitcher he possibly can. And but, it's, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll – get off my little soapbox here in a few minutes. Um, now <laughs> the openers thing also kills the yes. quality starts Tampa. Thanks. So that's another thing that we've seen. Um, and those guys sure shit can't get a win. So that's just like a, a 
ultimate kick in the dick. Um, it's like, oh, you want to? Well, if anything, it actually helps. Not the... only are you going to burn a starting position this week because you picked this guy up, he's only going to go maybe two innings, hopefully get you three Ks, and not get his ass beat around uh, to kill your ratios. Anyway, all right. I'm. I'm well, what's well, funny about the starter thing is the 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 opener is that it's usually not like the guy who would normally start. It's usually like some bullpen guy. So your starter might actually get innings three through seven still yeah. or three through six, and he'll get the win. So like that's it's just a weird that's a weird thing. But real quick on an alternative that I've heard from many many people, innings pitched. I it's it's a totally different ball game, and I'm not. I'm not sure I like it. I'm not sure I hate it. And sort of like, it's interesting. It brings a lot of value to, to, to so many different players. Those, those really good middle relievers, right? The long relievers that we know of. Those guys get so much more value in that scenario. And so, so like these crappy back-end starters that we keep streaming off and on, we're not worried about them anymore. Like, and they right. don't kill your ratios, right? So, like, I don't. I actually think I like it. I'm just not sure I'll switch to it because I'm a big quality start guy still. Yeah, but it is getting frustrating. And if this trend of the innings dropping more and more every year goes, like, you can't do it. Like, basically, you have to have a Degrom and Cole to get quality starts, and that's super frustrating. Yeah, like the ten one, guys that are getting quality starts. The one concern I have with innings is that you're kind of like. There's a heavy correlation in innings and, and strikeouts, so you probably need to shift to like strikeout rate or K's per nine. K's nine, that. yeah, yeah. So like you have to make a shift elsewhere, but like otherwise, yeah. I think that makes sense. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, I know a lot of people. I, I put the question out on Twitter, uh, like right after the first couple of days of baseball, and uh, a lot of people were just like, "Yeah, go innings pitched." And uh, I, I know a guy um, who who runs a lot of a lot of different. He commissions a bunch of leagues for people. That's what he does. And uh, he said a lot of his leagues had switched to that and they all enjoy it a lot more. So right. it just, it's just a much different mindset of like drafting and, and, and in season adjustments and things like that. So, um, but yeah, I, I think it would be interesting. I, I wouldn't mind like trying a league out next year. I don't want to switch any of my new leagues, right. my existing leagues to it. I would I maybe like try one just for shits and giggles and see what, how it goes. And then, and then maybe try to convince my league and, and bribe AJ again. <laughs> <laughs> all right let's switch over to here to some bullpens and closers and all right roles. i i used to be the uh the closer chart jockey for fantasy six pack and because of covid i just stopped caring um so <laughs> someone really the reason? thankfully t- <laughs> no <laughs> not one of the reasons thanks travis for picking up yes this travis thank you travis, so much awesome. for taking over and um making me look sort of good for my uh swan song anyway um i'm no longer doing it because travis did such a great job we let him do it again this year and i did not stand in his way toronto we've got julian mayweather uh has been the guy after Many thought it was going to be Jordan Romero. Do you think this continues the rest of the season, or are we going to see closer committee issues here? It'll be a combo, I would assume, because I think that like we saw Romano be in there in the ninth, like for the first one, and then we've seen other times where he's gotten like the high leverage spot. Like I think there was one time, I think it was the eighth inning. It was like the 
one, three, one, two, three batters. Like it was, it was the tough guys in the order. Romano came out for that. So there will be situations where you get the toughest part of the order coming up from the ninth inning and it's a situation. He'll probably get the save there, but like Merriweather's going to get a good amount of saves. So I would say both are worth having. Like I don't see any reason not to have, you know, to disregard them because saves are saves. Uh, I'd probably lean slightly towards Merriweather because it seems like they might not have him as, as highly viewed, which is a good thing for him because he might be more okay uh, being in that ninth inning. But I think that both are worth having, and I think we're going to be dealing with this all year long for sure. Okay. Keeping it in the uh, AL East here, we're going to Dem Baltimore O's. So mm-hmm. after Hunter Harvey went down, uh, there was some expectation of committee, but Cesar Valdez has gotten the nod pretty much the majority of the time. Definitely did over the first weekend and got both save chances. Um, he didn't get the save last night, but went into extras. He ended up with the with the win. So here again, the relievers are more valuable than your starters. Uh, what are you thinking about Baltimore? Well, I think that you know he didn't get the the save there, but like he came, they brought him in for a high leverage situation. Yes. I think that that that, yeah. that signal was big because it seems like every time they're in a spot where they need a dude, it's him. So basically what they're telling us is they think that he is that guy. And like he went two and a third, which is like, it's pretty long. Um, yeah. So that, that was interesting too. So I think they value him, which is good. And you know, they're not a terrible team. I think with, uh, with Anthony Santander back with Trey Mancini back, like, you know, they're not the worst team in baseball. So they'll have some safe chances. And I think if they're going to tell us that he's the guy, I'll react to it. Yeah. It's funny. Re- real quick before we move on, AJ, it's funny because, um, the, the manager came out early, like late in spring, was like, "Oh, it's going to be a committee, blah blah blah." And then after like Cesar Valdez gets a, gets a couple of saves, press was like, "So what's up?" And he was like, "Yeah, I, I might have lied." <laughs> I was like, Just "Wow!" Like, Actually, came out yeah, and said I, it. <laughs> I respect it. I respect it so much. I laugh so hard because usually managers will be trying like, to pull a fast one. <laughs> yeah, because usually managers will still be like, "Well, no, like we're still considering our options or some shit like right. that." And no, he just came out and was like, "Yeah, I, I might have been lying a little bit." Salute, I respect <laughs> it. Yeah, but yeah, Mayweather, by the way, went for over a hundred dollars in like every NFBC league and like a whole bunch of like fabs that went out on Sunday uh, this past weekend, wow. and I was not having any part of it. I was like enjoy because i still think with you like romero is still going to get involved and uh valdez was a lot cheaper because he's on the orioles oh <laughs> but, uh, he still went for like 70 in a couple of leagues and i was like nah, not this early the, those are guys Man. where i'm just like no i'm not i'm not ch- i want guaranteed saves as i'm paying that much money for a guy so guaranteed saves is almost as easy. <laughs> well, to but you know what I mean? Like wins. The, the, the manager needs to come out and like say, this is the next guy, right? Like if Philly came out a couple of days from now and said, Nara sucks, even though he's been great. And then said, you know, he's been good so far, man. So don't, don't deny it. He's been good this year so far. <laughs> it's early, but he's been good so far. But like if they came out and just said, you know, this next guy is up. Hey, He's our guy. We didn't bring Archie Bradley here to be a setup guy. Well, but Nares hasn't or faulted. Did yet, you, so. liar? <laughs> um, okay. Anyway, Padres, finish it up. Padres, San Diego Chicken. How surprised are you to see Mark Melanson getting the save chances this early in the season? I think, like, 
it kind of makes sense if you think about it from like a strand rate perspective. So the way you look at strand rate is you expect a better strand rate for guys with high strikeout rates, lower strand rates for guys with low strikeout rates. Melanson doesn't get strikeouts. So the situations where you want him in the game are to start an inning. You don't want yep. him to be that like that that fireman to come in. Like Drew Pomeranz, he can be that fireman. He gets strikeouts. Like that's yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. So I think from that perspective, it makes a lot of sense that Melanson would be the closer. He's got a lot of experience there. Although he doesn't get strikeouts, like he's still fine as a pitcher. So I wouldn't be shocked if he winds up, you know, holding down that job. But if they're in a situation where they need they've got guys on base, I don't think he sniffs the field. So I think that that's the way to view it, where if it's a traditional situation where nobody's on base, starting off the ninth, two-run lead, probably going to be Melanson. But if they need guys, you know, they need a strikeout with guys on base, I don't think he comes anywhere near the field. So probably going to be still like a committee-esque thing, but most of the traditional stuff will probably go to Melanson. Yeah, I I agree with that. I I heard that near the end of the spring where like, you know, they were thinking Melanson might come in and, and do that and just be like the safer guy. Yeah. Cause he's not, he's not a high leverage guy anymore. This is not his game. So, all right, man, let's move on and finish up with some DFS Q and a man. We're, we're going to put you on the spot here Love and uh, we'll talk about some, some fan duel. You got it behind you on the board. Uh, so first question how do you manage your starting pitching options? You know, and, and, you know, like not every day, you know, is opening day where it's like loaded with aces. Like, what do you do on those days where it's, it's kind of muddled with just kind of meh guys? Yeah. You have to decide that they actually are meh guys. And to me that revolves around diving into them and deciding what their most relevant sample is. So by that, what I mean is looking at their pitch mix, going to fan graphs and seeing the pitches that they're using and seeing what have they done since they became the pitcher they are now? So like Tyler Glasnow, he's added a slider this year. Ideally, my sample for Glasnow would be just 2021 to see what he's done in the start since he added that slider. Not always possible because you're dealing with super small samples there, but I would say determine what the pitcher's most relevant sample is and see what they've done in the quickly stabilizing categories in that time. So strikeout rate, walk rate, batted ball numbers, skill interactive ERA, those numbers stabilize pretty quickly. So I'm looking at like tomorrow's main slate, the most relevant samples I have for most guys wind up being like six or so starts, but I'm okay with that personally for DFS because you can get ahead of some things. You can be reactive to what pitchers are doing recently. Yeah, you're dealing with small samples, but I think given the numbers you're looking at there with strikeout rate, walk rate, skill interactive ERA, you can afford to look at smaller samples. So deciding who is in the best form based on their current pitch mix, look for strikeouts and kind of go from there. Well, what do you do? Like, do you look at, uh, obviously like, you know, you, you got guys playing, you know, opponents, right? So, I mean, yeah, you don't want, you don't want the guy, even even if you got all those good numbers, right. Playing the Dodgers, you know, like you got a guy playing against Oakland who's right. Struggling hard. And like, you're clearly going against Oakland, right? I mean, like that's right. even like, if the numbers might be slightly worse. Right. Yeah. So, like for me, I, it's a combination of looking at what they've done compared or paired with the opponent. I don't like like I care about team strength, but the bigger thing for me is strikeout rate. Like I will target an opposing team that has a good WRC plus um, if they if they strike out a lot. Like Oakland, actually, you look at their their numbers since the start of last year, they do have a good WRC plus, but they strike out a lot. 
And so I can feel good using pitchers facing them because they get they do strike out quite a bit. So obviously the matchups come into play. I'm not going to target pretty much anyone against the Dodgers because they don't strike out. Same thing with the Padres. Uh, but, you know, the, figuring out what the pitcher is like first and then translating yeah. that to do they get a boost in their matchup or do they need to downgrade them because of who they're facing? Yeah, I, I, I agree with that tenfold. So Okay, so changing off. Uh, a little bit here. Do you wish that the catcher and first base positions were actually split or do you feel it's more of an advantage? I mean, like from a, from a fun perspective, would, do you want to roster a catcher in DFS? <laughs> no, all the time. <laughs> I mean, like, all the time. That's like, why I lose no. money. Except for Mercedes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Him. I, I use Will Smith all the yeah. time, but that's the luxury is I can use Will Smith, except when Kershaw's catching because Kershaw's the worst. Like I get very yeah. annoyed that he doesn't let Will Smith catch. It's a major problem. Mm-hmm. Like, day, the fact that like Will Smith, we, so we did a show last week where we started, we talked about opening day rosters and yep. we were like, why the hell is it Will Smith starting? And then I dawned on him. I was like, Oh, it's Kershaw. <laughs> and like Bueller's the same too. Like, it's very annoying. Anyway, uh, that's the luxury is you can still use Will Smith if you want to, but you don't have to use Wilson Ramos if it's a small slate. So I don't want to use a catcher. So I'm ecstatic personally that I don't have to. Uh, so I can like, again, if you, if you find a dude, if he fits well with your sacks, go ahead. But like from a happiness of play perspective, get catchers all the way out of my life. <laughs> You sound like AJ and he wants to get rid of tight ends. He wants to get rid of catchers. And, and I don't, <laughs> don't want to get rid of tight ends. You've said that before. You're like, we should get rid before. of before. When was when was before like last year? <laughs> you were like, tight ends suck. Just get rid of them. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I, think, maybe. I think it might have been before last year, but no. either way, you've said it. All right. So as a noob and very inexperienced baseball dfs player what's a piece of advice you give to a novice like myself never think about floor floor doesn't matter like floor like if you think about floor you're gonna lose you need to think about ceiling and so like a good example of this is jed lowry like a couple years ago when he was good 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 healthy jed lowry for the A's a couple years ago, got a lot of doubles, scored runs. He gets you 12 and a half points on FanDuel. He was a good player from a floor perspective, but he wasn't hitting dingers. He wasn't getting bombs and you need that upside. So I think that both for pitchers and for hitters, you never want to look at floor. So like Kyle Hendricks, amazing pitcher, so good, like so fun to watch because he's so skilled, but that doesn't translate to daily fantasy because Mm -hmm. it doesn't have have the biggest ceiling because he doesn't get strikeouts. So if you're like reading analysis that says, I like this hitter because he has a good floor, proceed with caution. I don't think that's mm-hmm. that's great advice. No hitters have good floors. Pitcher, if they have a good floor, they better have a good ceiling too. Like Jose Barrios today, I thought it had a very good floor, but the reason I was okay using it was because I thought his ceiling was tremendous facing that Mariners team. So don't focus on floor. Even like in cash games, like if you're playing where half the fields uh, gets, mm-hmm. you know, caches, even there, I'd be hesitant to look at floor because you need to find players who have the ability to erase erase the mistakes you're going to make. And you're not going to get that from two Jed Lowry doubles. And again, I love Jed Lowry. Huge fan. <laughs> Just not someone I want to use in DFS. What about three well, Jed Lowry doubles? I mean, then it's then well, it's 18 points. A home run yeah. is 18.7. So three doubles is equivalent to one home run. So just a 
is me just asking personally because like I I don't play MLB DFS because yeah. it is it, basketball and MLB are like tops for me. I'm just like I oh, God I can't do it. <laughs> They're so tough, man. Like basketball is another level because the lineup scratches ten minutes yeah. before I'm sitting down to eat dinner. Right, I'm like right. no, I can't do it. Right. Baseball, I, I just. I've tried a couple of times and it failed miserably. Maybe I just, I'm not studied enough in it, but I wonder mm-hmm. like, so how do you, how do you pick your, like, how do you figure out who's got the most upside for the day? Like, obviously like you could just go after the studs, like, but like, right. where are those value? Like, how do you figure out who the value upside guys are? So stacking, um, like, I think that the way to view it is, Hitters can have individual upside, but they can also have upside because their offense is projected to be good. So, like, um, I think that that the way the view that is, you have one pitcher and then you have eight hitter slots on FanDuel. I would try to make as few hitters in that lineup be one-offs. Like, I don't want to have one Mets hitter, one Reds hitter, one Marlins hitter, etc. I want to have, if possible, stack fan. Right. I want to have four Mets, four Reds, cash out. Like that's what I want. I want to have as few one-offs in my lineup as humanly possible. If you do that, what you're doing is maybe the individual hitter may not have a ton of upside, Uh, like Jeff McNeil might. Right. Exactly. Because they're going to get. I've heard that before. Increased volume. Yeah. Exactly. So. You're getting upside via the volume. So it's either upside via themselves, what they can do with power yeah. or s- speed, or also v- upside via having such a good context, either matchup, via the park, uh, via the weather. That's the other way to get around that too. Yeah. So I have another question, but Robert Williams has a question here about online for uh, optimizers. Would you sort by value or projected ceiling to make a GPP? So I don't use opt. This is I work for Numberfire. They have optimizers. I don't use right. them. Um, I don't. I I think that projections are supremely flawed in most sports, but I think specifically so in baseball yeah, because hard. everything revolves around stacks and pitchers. So I think Robert, if you're looking at an optimizer for pitcher, fine. I would sort by like 75th to 90th percentile outcome. Like if that's I know Daily Roto. I'm pretty sure has like. 75th percentile outcomes or something like right. that. Like that's awesome. If you can find that, go for it. That's great. Um, but overall, projections are tough because you're usually getting a median projection, and that's not going to provide a lot of value for you. So for pitcher, it's more okay. But for hitters, identify the offenses you want to target based on their matchups, based on the team, the pitcher they're facing, if that's what I just said, based on the park, based <laughs> yeah. on the weather, especially this time of year, because cold weather is terrible for right. offenses. So identify Everybody's the best. about Colorado rain. sucking right now because it's cold. Right. <laughs> like, it was 50 to 49 degrees like two days ago. And so it was like tough. 68 today. So it was a weird ride for sure. Arizona, I'm not sure they could hit if there were 100 degrees in Colorado, but that's whatever. <laughs> um, but like identify the teams you want to stack and then identify the hitters within that stack that you want to use. I think that would be the way I'd look at it as opposed yeah. to looking at projections for baseball. And you're obviously trying to target like more guys at the top of the lineups than you are at the bottoms. Like that's just a given, you know. So it's in a given general, daily, your yeah. fantasy in general. In general, uh, I've become more loose with that, uh, partly because Byron Buxton was batting lower in the order Boy, back hey, in the it, day. It, they shifted yeah, Buxton to the DFS, right? And, and their values, right? Didn't so care. like if they have upside, values, if they have upside, yeah, right. I will use a batter batting like seventh that's fine i don't care yeah. like totally okay um and like when you're stacking four guys from a lineup you inherit like 
you're going to have to, you're not going to get the top four from a salary no, perspective most of the time. Too, too much. So you're just dipping well. lower to begin with. So it depends on the context, but like if a guy has individual value, I'm trying to think of a good example, like Dominic Smith, I think would hit eighth at times last year for the Mets. He had power. So yeah, I'd be okay bingo. using him. Um, yeah. But like you want that, that guy to have upside regardless of where he's hitting. So Robert actually had another question. He said, how do you go about making your lineups? And that was another question I had for you. Like, do you target, do you, do you start, with your hitters or do you start with your pitchers usually pitcher first always pitcher. yeah um so okay. like basically if i am like if i'm mapping out tomorrow's slate i'm gonna decide which pitchers i want to use so i'm gonna list out like manual list out joe musgrove probably zach wheeler undecided because he's facing the braves it's kind of tough yeah. uh maybe some tyler molly i don't know uh lance mccullers i'm gonna list out the pitchers Solid. i want to use and then decide which stacks i want to pair them with and like, if you're multi-entering, I will actually list out Musgrove, Diamondbacks, Reds, Musgrove, Diamondbacks, Red Sox, Musgrove, Diamondbacks, Mets, et cetera, et cetera, um, yeah. and making sure I'm hitting the right combinations. So for me, it always starts with pitcher, identifying the pitches I want to use. I don't care about the, what their salary is. Like, if they're good, they're good, and you use them. And I'm usually spending a pitcher as a result of that. Uh, but identify pitcher first, then identify the offenses you want to stack, and then after that, get into the individual batters within those stacks that you want to use. Okay. Uh, so I think you basically answered our next question, which was favorite pitchers for, for tomorrow. But is yeah. there anybody else you're looking at besides those guys that you already mentioned, Molly and, and Wheeler? and uh, Yeah, and, Musgrove's uh, the number one Musgrove, guy for me yeah. I think, tomorrow. I think he has to be. He's facing the Rangers. We talked about before about yeah. how the offense is not necessarily on, ideal. Man, they, got, they got low. Yeah, that's all they need. All you that's need all is low. Need. 14 RBIs. Let's do it. No, all you need is low and gallon. You're good. Uh, but they they strike out quite a bit. So I think that that's beneficial for Musgrove, who's been like discussed. We were talking before about finding each pitcher's most relevant sample. And, and Musgrove is actually since the start of last year, but a 34% strikeout rate. That's awesome. So yeah. I think Musgrove, the number one pitcher for me by a good amount. I think you consider the other guys, but like if you're dabbling in DFS, trying one lineup, Give me Joe Musgrove in that spot. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So who is your favorite team stack for tomorrow then? I think it's actually the same, you know, going back to the Padres. I know that there's no Tatis, which stinks because it does downgrade the entire offense. Having one less elite hitter makes everyone worse. There's fewer runs scored, fewer RBIs for them. So that stinks. But I still think that they're in a pretty good spot against Kohei Arihara. Uh, he didn't look super impressive in his debut not a guy who projected to be a super high strikeout pitcher. So the Padres, even without Tatis, still a very good offense. I think that Hosmer, the changes he – I've hated Eric Hosmer my entire life, but I'm a believer <laughs> now. Too. Because I actually drafted him this year for the first time. I did ever. too. In a 10-team <laughs> league, I drafted Eric Hosmer. It was wild. I was blown away myself. I was like, what is this? Yeah. I've Holy never shit, have I been drinking? What did right. I do? I, I was drinking, but I, I think still it was, was like, I need I to drink as a result of this. <laughs> yeah. I need to drink because I drafted Derek Cosmer, but hey, it's good. <laughs> so I think the Padres are great. I would say Cleveland is okay. I think their offense sucks, but it's a good matchup for them. Uh, and then the Angels, because Dunedin projects to be kind of a hitter-friendly park, and it looked like it played that way tonight. Uh, so I would say Padres 1, Cleveland 2, Angels 3 for me tomorrow. Cool, cool. Uh, All right, well, offshoot question. Uh, Dunedin, the new location for the 2021 All Star game. Yay, <laughs> nay. They said Colorado. I want to go to Denver. Yeah, man. Like, Colorado. Yeah, like that I sounds know. awesome. I, just, I was supposed to go home, to. We're going to have home run derby records broken. 
Byron <laughs> Buxton would be the one breaking it. Yeah. Byron Buxton. <laughs> it's like, we've got. Can we please just get some Joey Gallo year. out there and just absolutely demolish the ball? Absolutely. That would be so fun to watch. I was supposed to have my bachelor party in Denver in July of last year. Have not had my bachelor party yet. So they need to put the All Star game there the year after, maybe when things are more open again. So I can go to Colorado and actually like enjoy a legit bachelor party. <laughs> yes. Well, Colorado is awesome. All right. So we got a question real quick before my last question for you is what's up with Fran Mill Reyes and Andres Jimenez? I like Fran Mill personally. I, I, think I think they're fine. I like Fran Mill. I think yeah. he's, he's awesome. Uh, I think yeah. that actually he's probably a pretty good play for tomorrow. I know he's not had like the best start of the year, but he's a guy who gets a lot of barrels and like, they haven't had a lot of great matchups. Cleveland yeah. hasn't so far. They've had one uh, good matchup so far, and they they did pretty well. I mean, Jose Ramirez did well in it, but um, I think that Reyes is a good option at $2,800. I would say, we talked about Jerks and Profar benefiting from Tatis being out. He moves up in the order. Probably going to bat sixth or so. He's $2,500 on FanDuel tomorrow. I think that can definitely work. He's not regarded as being a high upside guy, but he can actually put the ball in the air a bit. So I think that Profar is not the worst person to consider he actually also maybe is it is it a jerks and profile revenge game tomorrow oh it is okay so uh there you go jerks and profile uh revenge game tomorrow uh yep. nick senzel i don't think is the worst option at twenty eight hundred dollars and then if you want some blue jays uh lourdes Goriel and teoscar hernandez two guys i would consider there as well yeah oh, okay all right so yeah yeah that was uh that was that last question we had there about best values this this tonight or for tomorrow sorry uh, but yeah, Reyes, uh, he's, he's, uh, he's struggled for the start of the year, but again, short sample size guys. Don't, don't over, don't overreact there. Jimenez a, two homers tomorrow for from you. <laughs> Jimenez was another guy like, like he had a good spring, a lot of, you know, a lot of, a lot of hype, you know, you were hoping for some steals from him, but you know, it, I think if you drive to him as late as you did, uh, you, you know, you, you can probably hang on to him for a little bit, unless there's just an absolute stud guy out there to, to pick up you know you're hoping things turn around for this team i, I don't think it's gonna be you know what five it's six games rough. for most teams I, I don't think it's gonna be i don't think this is gonna be the entire um the you know how they play the entire year and uh we got the questions flying in here man so the show's not ending apparently uh so <laughs> what bring them on what Let's you know, do you it. see it there. What team are you completely avoiding for stacks tomorrow? So I think if we're talking about like teams that might be kind of popular, um, <laughs> I don't know. I think uh, like I think that the way you want the way to look at this is I want to maximize balls in play. So I'm targeting pitchers with low strikeout rates and low walk rates. Mm-hmm. So if you identify pitchers with high strikeout rates or high walk rates. That's kind of a bummer. I uh, like the Reds tomorrow. I think that they're fine, but they're facing Taylor Widener, and he has kind of a high walk rate, and he's got not the lowest strikeout mm-hmm. rate. So what you get there is you get a lower number of balls in play, which means fewer opportunities for those upside plays. We we're talking about before, like home runs and stuff like that. So I would say identify the pitchers who allow the most balls in play and see if you want to stack against them. And conversely, like – I'll stack against Justin Dunn. Uh, he he does walk a lot of guys. Like I can make, you know, I can definitely make some changes for sure based on uh, pitchers who do walk a lot of guys. But I think that if I'm looking for places where things could fall short, I think you want to look at the the pitchers who don't allow a ball allow a lot of balls in play, just because it's your chance for those those true upside plays there. Yeah, I mean, like 
teams I'm looking at here. I'm seeing you know the Nats playing going against Bueller. No thanks. Like I, I don't want I don't want that. Like there's a lot of there's much better plays out there. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm sort of avoiding that Phillies Braves game. Both pitchers are pretty solid because there's just much better plays. Uh, I'm avoiding Oakland because they're going against McCullers who can just just kill you. So those those are the teams that that I'm going after uh, or, or avoiding. And then uh, another question here. Uh, why, why is Kirk not taking Jansen's spot? Jansen sucks. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's so disappointing because, like, his defense, I think. Is there uh, any more aesthetically pleasing combo in baseball than <clears throat> Danny Jansen with the with the glasses and Alejandro Kirk? Like, is there a better looking catcher duo in baseball <laughs> in like the history of baseball? I don't think there is, nah, personally. I don't know, man. Uh, yeah, so. All right, that that's what we've got for the show. Thank you guys for listening. Um, Jim, before we let you bounce, let everybody know where they can find you on the internet and what you got going on this season, man. Yeah, so we actually do a daily Q&A session over on the FanDuel YouTube page. Uh, it's at 4 p.m. Eastern every weekday. We talk about that day's pitchers, that day's stacks. If you're trying to get into MLB DFS and you have a lot of questions, feel free to hop on over there. It's at 4 p.m. Eastern every weekday on the FanDuel YouTube page, also on Twitch. Uh, Facebook and Twitter. Happy to answer any questions there every weekday at 4 p.m. We also have a, a daily baseball podcast called The Solo Shot. You can find that by searching for the number fire daily fantasy podcast feed. So a lot of DFS for me each and every day. Hey, man, good stuff. That was uh, that was great information. I, I'm uh, feeling confident I can actually play some DFS baseball. I, I hope it works I, out, man. I, I appreciate I the time. I don't Thank know. You. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm nervous. I about believe it. in you. I believe uh, in you. Don't lose that brew eye bunny for me. Uh, playing DFS <laughs> now that you think you know what you're doing. If you do lose it, lose it here. Right. Exactly. <laughs> That's good, man. All right. Have a good night, man. And I uh, appreciate All you right. coming on, man. Thank good, you. Appreciate awesome show. Thanks, Jim. Jeff right. right. cut him off Jeff early. Cuts peace, off peace out, boy. Jeff. <laughs> I'm ready to. I'm ready yeah. to. I'm ready to end the night. Sorry. You're out. I'm tired. <laughs> so, all right, man. Um, so, yeah, good good first week of baseball. And I'm um, looking forward to some more next week. We'll probably get into some, uh, you know, looking into more of these hot starts and seeing what's going on with these guys and some, some of these guys that are struggling and, and see what we believe and not believe in as we've done that before. So, um, yeah, that's all I got tonight, man. AJ, anything else? A uh, couple of quick quick things to Nothing's mention here I, <laughs> shut up that's why because you fucking interrupt me all the time uh trey mancini Just gets laughing. a standing o at orioles stadium in his first at bat back at hmm. home after uh missing last year um not because of covid but because of cancer so congrats to Mancini. He's been playing pretty well so far. Love seeing it. Keep up the, the good work, Trey. We're all rooting for you. Um, and the last thing I want to mention is this complete BS HBP by uh, Conforto, I believe it was against the Marlins with the bases loaded where they literally talked about him, you know, how you're supposed to make an effort to avoid the pitch. 
the dude literally made an effort to not avoid the pitch by sticking his elbow in during the what I guess he thought was the hokey pokey uh, while the bases were loaded and wins the game for the Mets on a walk-off hit-by-pitch, bases loaded, you just got another run in nonsense. I, maybe maybe the pitcher shouldn't suck so bad. I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> maybe the Mets shouldn't just be the Mets. I mean, they suck. F you, Mets. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, man. Terrible. That's all I got. We will be back next week. Stick man. Enjoy, fellas. Peace. Double-